Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. I am Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7, and happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. We have a special show today. We're obviously going to talk about the big news on the recruiting front. It's been a good few days for Virginia. They picked up four new commitments in four days, starting off with UVA legacy tight end Takai Kirby, then defensive lineman Rodney Laura. And then on Monday, they were able to secure two more with Noah Vaughn, a running back out of Tennessee, and then Keandre Walker, a corner out of North Carolina. So we're going to talk a little bit about those recruiting wins, and we're going to take a closer look at the schedule for Tony Elliott's first season. And in order to do that, this something I wanted to do with this podcast is invite other podcasters to collaborate with us so that we can really break down the who's. And this week, we have a man that is known on Twitterverse and who is known among Wahoo fans. It's OG Who. Um, he's known host for the podcast on the Roll Up Network, The Hill Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you having me on. It's a, it's an honor to be on the show with someone as prestigious as you, as far as we go back to the scout site. So, you know, I was it, gonna it, say, it's some history there. It's some history I was going to say, I knew you when you were RVA who. Oh, so yeah. I, oh, I knew yeah. before Twitter changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so let's start first about your impression of Virginia and their in-state recruit. That's something that you've been harping on when I, you know, I first got here to cover Virginia last summer and uh, we got talking again, was that that in-state recruiting need to improve. And I'm just going to, if you watch on YouTube, I'm going to bring up the 2022 class here and um, 2023 class here. Sorry, not 2022. I'm in the past right now. So if you look at this class, they already have nine commitments and several are from the state of Virginia. I'm counting Ronnie Laura as part of the state of Virginia, because although he's from New Jersey, he's going to Woodbury Forest. So that should be a good pipeline for Virginia. You know, what's your first initial impression of the staff and how they've approached Indian state recruiting? Um, I couldn't be more excited, uh, you know, if you think about some of the negative nuances and sayings that people have said about Virginia over the last couple of years to where talent in Virginia isn't the same as it was 10 to 15 years ago, those people are telling a bold lie. You know, if you look across the country, there are so many players from the state of Virginia that have such a magnitude on the program and teams that are winning championships out here. You know, you look at Ohio State, they're starting running back. Virginia, you look at Penn State, we all know how Penn State raids the state. You know, you look at a lot of these top tier teams, Alabama, they all have two to three to four kids from Virginia. So with the guys coming in, you know, they came in at the end of the cycle last year and it was pretty impressive how they were able to go out and, you know, get a guy like Ant Fisher, you know, due to COVID, he's not maybe not have 
as much exposure as he should have had. But the fact that you were able to get a guy and land a guy like him and Carlos at the end of a cycle, uh, the guy Noah, the offensive lineman, from uh, J.R. Tucker, you know, that that's a huge magnitude, especially when you get a, a, a guy of a caliber, you know, that I feel like we really got to steal with Ann Fisher, you know, getting him a player of the year in multiple sports, a multi-state champion. You know, that's that's good on the home front. That's good for optics. You know, you go to all the Verona seven on sevens, the Olive Springs. As soon as they got hired, they made it a point to make all their rounds to high schools. And they're not just making that rounds for, you know, an optical illusion. They're continuing to hold conversation. And then you see it transition over to this year's class. You know, you get guys like Dante Hawthorne, Miles Green, Rodney, even though, like you said, he's from New Jersey, but he is by way of Woodbury Forest or where UVA has got a couple of greats from, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Lee Dudley, uh, one of our greatest wide receivers, you know, Terrell Janna, Woodbury Forest, that Woodbury Forest pipeline is a serious thing. So it's pretty to see, you know, you got Cole Sabre, you know, that the amount of guys that they're snagging from the crib is, is a beautiful thing because I feel like when you, if we're going to get back to how we were, it was one, we were taking advantage of the recruiting hotbed in our own backyard. You know, it's it's good that we're using North Carolina. North Carolina is a border state. We we get plenty of good recruits from North Carolina. It's also great that we'd incorporated Georgia, you know, bringing along uh, Big Slade, bringing him back home out there in Georgia. He got a bona fide record in Georgia. His name speaks for itself on multiple levels. So the fact that we are attacking the home front and including everything else and not making everything else the focal point and using, you know, our our backyard as a as a supplement to the meal. No, the backyard is the meal. And it's a good thing to to see what they're doing and how they're attacking it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've talked to you about this before and I talked it on the message board as well. I think Miles Green picking him up from Highland Springs and establishing that connection is huge for the Virginia program just because of the magnitude of how many Highland Springs players do make it to the next level. And then, you know, they just offered quarterback Christian Martin after he had a great day at camp. He was one of the standout performers in the summer camp series that they had. So just having someone connected to the program already there, like Miles is going to be in Christian's ear now talking about yeah. Um, obviously Braylon Johnson is favored to go to Virginia tech. So you need that other kind of noise there. You need, you need oh, miles yeah. there trying to hype up the other in-state program because you're going to have people hyping up Virginia tech there. You're going to, and just going to Highland Springs and our college showcase, there were so many colleges there. Like you said, there's a lot of other programs co- coming into the state of Virginia. I think there was about 20 to 30 different colleges there at Highland Springs for their showcase. Penn State was there. J. Jones Sider was Coach Sider was there. Um, you've got Clemson was there. You've got Duke was there. West Virginia was there. Several Maryland coaches were there. Um, so obviously it's a it's a high priority place for several programs is venturing into the 804 and seeing these playmakers in Highland Springs. So you really want that. And yeah, I'm, I'm I'm content with where Virginia is in state. They made it a priority. That's something that, you know, a lot of high school coaches have said that they made it a priority. It's it's not going to be something that's solved overnight, though. And I think that's something no. that 
it, it's going to take a while. There, there were some schools that are going to be harder to get into. And that's going to just take time because in their mind, they're like, are you just coming for this one athlete that you're after? Or are you going to come back next year? Or are you going to come back every year? Um, so it might take one or two recruiting cycles before we see that those pipelines. Um, I like the fact that they're, they're getting Dante Hawthorne because he just transferred to Colonial Forge. Colonial Forge is known for several good prospects coming out of that school too, in that area where there's a lot of great talent, like Chris Jones, that top 24-7 linebacker, um, who they offered really early. It's, it's going to be hard to lure him to Virginia. He's got a lot of offers. Ohio State was one recently that just pulled the trigger. But just getting guys in those areas is huge. But also don't forget... The one thing that I, I, I'm not worried about in the staff currently, but just don't forget that you do have other prep programs around the country mm-hmm. that might be a good spot for UVA to get, like St. Thomas Aquinas. That yep. is a good pipeline for them, especially you know getting a UVA legacy on board like Takai Kirby. I, I think that's where you still need to have that pipeline because at the end of the day, with UVA's admissions, you've got to have a connection to those prep schools around the country, like the, the ones in Tennessee, um, huge coach Cox's connection in Tennessee, huge, his connection in Maryland and Nova. So there's a lot of things that it has been good in recruiting. Could it be better? Yes. This is the first recruiting cycle. So I hate to judge a coaching staff after the first recruiting cycle. You want to wait at least two or three cycles, especially a 24 class to see how this goes, but at least the connections are there and they have been able to close on several of those guys. So that's, that's been the key for them. Um, who would you want them to add in this class? If you had to pick, who do you think uh, Arch Manning's off the table? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna completely <laughs> say Arch Manning's off the table. Nicholas Harbor too. Those two are off the table. Who would you want in this class? If it was somebody that I would say we would have to get, it would. I mean, I, I it would be somebody that's not even on two four seven boards. Uh, I would go with. A, Jason Morgan, uh, because I've seen him play, and um, I, I know Perry Jones, if he sees this, he can attest to that because he, he plays that boy. That, that, is a, that is a mountain of a young man right there. And when I see him, I see Elton, Big E, Elton Brown. And, I mean, it is amazing. I, I would say Jason, Jason Morgan, uh, maybe second, let's see. I mean, second, I, I I want him to keep fighting for Armel, Markham. He need to keep fighting for Armel. That that's gonna be a long haul fight, I believe. I don't think it's. I, I don't, don't think know, that man. Set in stone. But I, I, mean, I don't when, know. I don't know. I I I I I I think that one's pretty set in stone. I you, like. You get an offer like that, and I mean, I, 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 I'm I don't sorry. Like, with it. I was I, I was in the middle. I was in the middle setting up an interview for him to talk about UVA official, and he says, "Miss Jackie, uh, Stanford just offered," and I'm like, "Okay, I get it. I'll step." Back. We know what that means. We know what that I means. I get it. I absolutely get it. So, I hate recruiting is a fluid thing. You, you never want to say a door is shut, but that's yeah. going to be a hard, a hard. <laughs> I, I have to tell people that because I don't want anyone to have like hopes and saying like, oh, we can grab our mail. I'm like, I think that one's pretty solid on Stanford. But again, I've seen crazier things happen in recruiting as 
um, the Florida Gators and the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a wild Twitter weekend there. <laughs> on Sunday night with name, image, and like this. So I've seen crazy stuff happen. I just don't think this one will be the crazy one to watch out for. But you never know. He is so, about 40 minutes from grounds. So if we took Armel off the board, I would say possibly Caleb Woodson. You know, that's just – that's one of those battles I feel like that you can't lose, that you gotta you gotta stay after right there. Caleb you know, Woodson. If Caleb I had Woodson. To, if I yeah. had to pick a, a a student athlete, oh granted Armel was in the same mold, but if I had to pick a guy that would fit Virginia, I would I would I would draw out Caleb Woodson and I'll be like, This is this is the mold that all players that UVA should recruit is him. Um mm-hmm. yeah, especially his brothers on grounds. And that, that's always the tough thing when you have a sibling at that same school, you know, for just a different perspective. I'm one out of four kids. I'm the last one. I would hate to be in the same school as my older kids, as my older siblings. Um, but that's me. This is not that I'm not Caleb Woodson. But I think Virginia, I, I have one thing, and I've reiterated this several times. Virginia Tech was a team that I was watching for him after I spoke to him in May. And even before the official visit start, I thought that Brent Pry taking a hands-on approach to Caleb Woodson's recruitment and just the way that Pry is a defensive coach, I thought he did a good job of Caleb Woodson's recruitment. What I think Wake Forest and Virginia did and how they handled their official visit weekends, which helped them, was not having too many guys on grounds at the, or on campus, if you're Wake Forest, at the same time. And Caleb Woodson only having two other recruits on grounds with him certainly helped. Um, I think he really needed that time. Him and his mom, um, really needed his time. His dad came along too, but I think him and his mom needed that time with the coaches and coach Rod and coach Cox. And I think they did a good job. I, this one is hard to read. It could go several ways. I think right now, I think UVA, I think Wake Forest is a team that isn't talked a lot when it comes to Caleb Woodson, which is kind of shocking to me because at UVA and Wake are kind of the schools that you can see him. Um, so I wouldn't discount Wake Forest here. I think they are the the silent contender no one is talking about. But uh Virginia Tech feels pretty confident. But again, if I if I talk to Virginia Tech, they'll say they'll be confident. If the UVA, they'll be confident. You know, Wake Forest, they'll be confident. So no one knows right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna date this because I always date this. This is Tuesday. <laughs> Now, Tuesday, June 28th, and we're recording this the night before on Monday. So if he commits before then, you know, what? but right now he's not committed. <laughs> you always got to date these things, right? All right. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think I think he's definitely one to watch. And um, obviously quarterback. Everyone wants to know who the quarterback is. So that's the that's the other other thing is uh, can they flip that kid out of Florida, Anthony Colandrea? That that's who I'm watching as far as can yeah. watch is uh, his decision because I I will be quite frank that one looked like he really enjoyed his Virginia visit. He was at that camp, so I got to see the interactions, and it seemed like he was doing a uh, doing a pretty decent job there. Of uh, UVA was doing a decent job of making his family uh, welcome, but. Um, so we talked a little about recruiting and then we're going to take a little bit of a quick break and then we're going to get some opinions and you know how much we love opinions. So we're going to have opinions <laughs> of the schedule, your, your thoughts and my thoughts on what we think this, this season's going to look like for Tony Elliott and your thoughts. If Brennan Armstrong is being disrespected in the Heisman race. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. 
Welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchilli, and we're joined with the Hill Podcast OG Who. The Hill Podcast is part of the Roll Up Network, and they all talk about the Who's. Um, so, OG, the schedule. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas has predicted a seven at seven and a half. I think Vegas is pretty spot on. I, I have a game by game breakdown that I will be publishing later on Tuesday. And when I look at this season, I could see seven to eight wins, especially with the start of the way it, uh, the way the season starts. I can see them possibly going on a run and winning the first five games at least. Um, what are your? Do you, you kind of agree there? I definitely agree. Uh, Vegas got it right on with seven and a half wins. They put that half win because that's how we've been playing Virginia Tech halfway for the last couple of years. So. <laughs> That's why they gave you seven and a half. But in essence, I'm I'm expecting eight wins, 100%, you know, with everything that we're returning on both sides of the ball, even though, you know, people like to say, well, you lost your whole offensive line, but we don't have an old offensive line full of freshmen. So, I mean, it kind of adds up. And you, you look at how Clemson sort of ran their offense with those great wide receivers they got. And I look at my wide receiver room, I'm like, man, we got a great two. So hold on. So then you think about, you know, the quarterback you got. Then you look at your schedule. You got Richmond, Illinois, ODU, you know, a reunion with Dr. Bob. So I, I, I definitely see 6-0 and out the gate. And if, you know, if, if we lose a game like Illinois, I think that changes the landscape to maybe six wins because that's a game, another game that you should win emphatically. You should put on their neck. You should be winning that game. I, I agree with you. I, I yeah. agree with the Illinois thing. I think Ill, I, it's hard to say that you have a make or break game. I hate saying this is a make or break game because it's so early on in the season. And I hate that phrase. I hate make or break games. But Illinois on the road feels like if you can't win that, especially when we go to the second half of the season and the games that they have, it feels like that yeah. that's just going to spiral a little bit. Um, and Illinois doesn't have a quarterback right now. I, I think they have a, they, they're going to have some issues under center. So for me, that that's a big test, especially because over the last last few years, Virginia has struggled on the road so much yeah. that that that's your first test if you're Tony Elliott. Yeah, and I, that's a game you need to win, and you need to send a message at home on the road. You're going to do we come in to handle business. So I, I definitely agree. think that Illinois game is one to just watch, not even saying we shouldn't be favored on the road, and which we will be. But that's just a game that you just can't accidentally fumble up, have multiple turnovers and onside kicks and penalties and, you know, just that old shoot yourself in the foot football. That's just got to take a change. And, you know, I feel like if they get a, if they get out the gate to 5-0, and 6-0, yeah, that eight eight to ten wins is is definitely manageable. Definitely manageable. When you look on the back end of the schedule and you see teams like UNC, Virginia Tech, again, teams with, with quarterback problems. We don't know who they quarterbacks are going into the fall. Right. That's for that's for them to figure out. That's not our worry, but we come to sack whoever it is. So I, I think I think we kind of agree that um I right now I'm predicting First five wins. So at Richmond, at Illinois, at home at ODU, at Syracuse, and at Duke, in my game by game prediction, those are the ones that I could see UVA winning. And I, I yep. think Virginia and think Virginia can have a nice, perfect way to start the season. Where I think we might differ 
is Louisville at home. I, yeah, I, that's that, going to be a game. That I think this one was where I have in, in my game-by-game prediction, I have Virginia losing to the Cardinals right now for homecomings. Just because I think Louisville did a great job in the transfer portal and was able to sure yeah. up the weaknesses that they had when they faced Virginia the last time. What do you think? They done shored up a lot of weaknesses. Uh, Louisville will not be the same team whatsoever. No. They got some five-star players that are, that will be playing this year. So right. they they will not be the same team whatsoever with that quarterback return, and they will be just as explosive. 100%. That is a game that I think that is definitely a game that I would have Louisville favored. I would have Louisville favored before I would have Miami favored. We'll get to Miami uh, in a little bit, but that, that, so Louisville is my first loss and then they have a bye week and then the next game is at Georgia tech. It's a Thursday night game. Jeff Collins is going to be playing for his job this season. So it'll be interesting to see if he's actually the coach at this point, still at Georgia tech. I think he will be, it's, he'll still be in the hot seat, but I imagine there's, it's really well granted with the early signing day, mid-year firings do happen a lot more frequently now. But that is a game where I think Virginia will utilize that bye week and I have Virginia beating Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah, uh, I agree with that. I agree with so, that. So the next three games, now on paper, that's three, it's four straight home games. You start off with Miami, then it's North Carolina, then Pitt. This is where I'm less confident with UVA. I have UVA at six and one at this point. I can see a scenario where UVA beats Miami and North Carolina and loses to Pitt. I have a scenario. I can see, I, I think they're going to take at least one game between Miami, North Carolina, and Pitt. Everyone who follows me knows I went to University of Miami. Don't hate me. I went to UF. <laughs> Everyone knows that they, they know that I was there when UVA trounced Miami in the last game of the Orange Bowl. That was my senior year in college. Um, so UVA has this tradition of beating Miami at Scott Stadium. No matter how good the Miami team is on paper, since I've covered Virginia football the first time around, and now I have not seen Miami beat Virginia at Scott Stadium. And almost in any sport. And actually, in any sport, actually. Oh, yeah. I've never seen Miami beat Virginia in Charlottesville. In any sport. Women's, so- in women's soccer, basketball, baseball. No sport. Um, there's something yeah. about Charlottesville to Miami Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. It's something about <laughs> Virginia to them, period. Because, you know, a lot of Miami uh, – some Miami fans will admit it. You know, if you look at the past six games that we done played, minus that first year, they have all been within two touchdowns. And it has been a physical something. game from kickoff to, you know, to the end of the game. And even though, and North Carolina too, it's been, you know, apart from last year's game, and even though UVA made it into the game at the end, e- even even in last year's game with UNC, like if the, the offense kept them in it, if the, you know, if there was a different defense, sure. But I, I just think Miami and North Carolina is two games where I can see either way. I just have a hard time seeing them winning consecutive games in that type tough environment. Cause I'm concerned of depth with UVA at this point. Um, so I, I I'm, I'm thinking they win one out of the next three. Does that seem, I, would, is that- I could, I could with two of three out of you, out of uh, Miami, UNC and Pitt. 
I'm gonna go two. I would I would go two and three. I would say we dropped the game to Miami. You know, that's a revenge game for TBD. Mm-hmm. I could see us beating UNC. Um, Drake, man, I I can't believe in you and trust in you if I've never seen you. And you know, Pitt again that you losing your your star quarterback and your star receiver, so you got a lot of holes to fill on offense. So I could see going two or three drop in Miami right there, possibly. So at this point, you have UVA. At if if let's say if you said that Virginia uh, loses to Louisville, like me at this point, you would have them yeah. at eight wins, and I have them at seven wins. Yeah. Um, and I think the next game, I think that's a Virginia win against Coastal Carolina. Oh yeah, um, by against far. the home game. And this is this is the uh, this is the big one at Virginia Tech at Blacksburg. Um, I- I'm gonna guess that you're picking UVA to win. I'm just uh, yeah. just a slight guess. Yeah, we playing the flag. They they depth chart ain't the same. Nothing was the same. I feel like the games that we did lose, it wasn't player personnel. It was. It was a lot to do with coaching the game to to playing the playing the game to stay in the game instead of coaching to win, you know, trying to just coach not to make a mistake and not being a risk taker in the game that matters the most. So I honestly feel and honestly believe if everything is bad as it say as as the people up north say it is, you know, over there if they say it as bad as it is and he left it in as bad a shape as he did, it, it might be flip flop. You know, I remember six years ago when we came into this series, the new series, Bronco versus Fuente. We got beat 52 to 10. I'm looking along those lines. I'm looking along those lines to send a little respect back. I, I you know what? I, I picked Virginia over Virginia Tech, too. Um, I, I kind of agree with you on that depth chart. Um, just looking at Virginia Tech and looking at Virginia's roster. But to be fair, I, I said the same thing last season, too. I thought Virginia had the better roster against Virginia Tech last year, and I thought UVA should have beat Virginia Tech. But like you said, yep. they, they kind of played not to lose rather than played to win. Yep. Um, the only X factor is how is this team going to play on the road? Um, this is going to be at Blacksburg. Obviously, it's going to be a hostile environment and a rivalry game. But again... Virginia has all the skilled players on offense to, I think, win this game. I think that's the key for me is Brendan Armstrong's returning. You've got a great wide receiver unit. I think they've really got good depth at running back too. And their defense, they've got a lot of good players that didn't see the field last year when, you know, probably they should have. Um, So I think they have the pieces to beat Virginia Tech while Virginia Tech is still working on those pieces. My only concern towards the end of the season is the depth at certain positions, yep. like that O line. If there's if UVA suffers injuries at several positions, that's when it's your worry starts for me. But right oh, now, yeah. as I'm looking at it preseason, I could see UVA beating Virginia Tech. And again, that that would make you know that reasonable eight win season is why I agree with Vegas. And I, I honestly, this is the schedule that any first year head coach coming to Virginia would love. Yes, this is a you love it. This is a good schedule for Tony Elliott. Yeah, I think he's got to love it. You know, and to the offense that he has, you know, if we look at Tony Elliott and look at his list of quarterbacks that he has, there is no drop off. Actually, he took a dip last year and like the stock market, his stock is back up with Brennan. That's yes. all I'm saying. DJU nope. and Brennan are not on the same page at all. No shots to anybody, but we call a spade a spade. 
So, so 100%. actually, this, this the final thing I want to talk to you about, because I think this is a hot topic around Virginia, um, is about Brennan Armstrong and the disrespect that he gets with the national media and not putting him in the Heisman race. Those are one of the Heisman contenders. Often he's left off of those lists. I have my own opinion on before before maybe maybe i should get you angry because i kind of don't don't hate me don't hate me but i kind of agree why i understand not agree but i understand why he's left off the heisman contender list right now i understand um but you probably don't understand why why do you why do you feel Brennan should be on the heisman contender list and what is your main argument to have him in there um I can use certain examples. Here's a here's a prime example. You know, this weekend they just had a prestigious passing academy with all the top quarterbacks in the nation. My quarterback was there, but for some reason going into the whole Madden passing academy, you know, you named Spencer Radler, of course, because that's a name to be named. You named all a couple more quarterbacks because, you know, they're at your front runner schools. But when I see on a list of top quarterbacks and they list six quarterbacks and you put Kentucky's quarterback over my quarterback, that's an issue. That that's a that's a bona fide issue. That's a that's almost an NCAA record setting quarterback who did more with less than a lot of these quarterbacks out here. And he still hasn't got respect on his name. I think Brennan has built his brand so strong and I, I just can't seem to understand save my life what the holdup is and the national recognition is the national recognition is for brennan you know nfl scouts recognize him but you know our normal sites don't recognize him whatsoever maybe that's the stigma of you know they just throwing it with uva football maybe he had a lucky season they tried that with bryce too then he came back and went to the orange bowl so it's a multitude of things I think that goes into the equation why Brennan don't be included. And, and then along with ourselves, we're not even advertising one of the best players that we've never seen passing since Matt Job, you know? So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a culmination of things that add to why he's not on that list. But I'm all right with it at this point because a lot of us and a lot of our good players don't get put on your front list, but they always end up there. They I was gonna continue to I, think it's lucky. <laughs> I was I was gonna say that I'd rather be at the end of the season Heisman list than in the preseason yep. Heisman list. Yep, exactly. But so, I, you know. but I agree with a little bit on why he's not right now as Heisman contender list. Now listen, listen why I understand. One, there's so many questions on UVA's offensive line that a lot of people are saying, can he be productive on there? So as a national yep. media who doesn't follow what's going on in UVA, I can see that being one of the biggest obstacles. The other is we just broke down the games and we're saying that we can see them having a seven, eight game season. That's for our Heisman voters. They usually, that's not sexy enough. Honestly, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's the big thing. It's not a seven and eight game winning season. Is not, that's the reason why he wasn't talked about last year with those big numbers was because UVA wasn't competing for Coastal. The defense honestly cost him any conversation in the Heisman. Yeah. Um, so that is the other thing, but you touched on this. The other thing is who's promoting Brennan Armstrong. 
My, my big thing is if I was the ACC, if I was Jim Phillips, and I talked about this actually on ACC Nation too on their podcast, is look at the quarterbacks that the ACC has produced the last two years and this upcoming season. Look at the quarterbacks that they will be putting on the field. A lot of them are being talked about as Heisman contenders. The ACC needs to do a better job of promoting those signal callers. They need to yep. say, this is the conference where we have great quarterbacks. They need to promote them. Not just UVA. Oh, yeah. I think UVA needs to promote them as well. But I think the ACC needs to yeah, do a better whole, job. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, you got Wake Forest QB, NC State. Oz, there's a lot of good QBs in the league. Tyler Van Dyke. You know, there's yeah, so TBD. many great quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think that would help. Because right now, there you mentioned that Kentucky's quarterback's on the list, but which conference is he part of? Yeah, the SEC. SEC. The one yep. that does great at promoting their players. Uh, so right now, that that's the big hiccup, I think, with a lot of this. And I think, again, a, 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 we were looking at the season. If they start well, if they have that 5-0 and start to the season, possibly even 6-0, and that grabs attention. The other thing, a lot of people have questions about how much is Brendan Armstrong going to throw. Last year, they didn't have a run game, so they were throwing more of the ball. So a mm -hmm. lot of people have questions as, is he going to be throwing that much this season? They, no one knows what Tony Elliott's offense is going to look like. So I think you're going to see a lot of people have those questions answered early on. You're going to see Brendan Armstrong's name pop up more. So that's why I understand why he's not. And I understand the thought process that these national guys have. So I agree with how they're arguing with it. I just think that if UVA does well and the offense shows Brendan Armstrong and the offensive line comes together, I just think he'll move into the conversation as the season goes on. Again, I, the only thing I wish and I hope is that not only will UVA promote him earlier in the season rather than wait until they can't even play for the coastal championship to start promoting your quarterback. Um, and also, and I think they also promoted the quarter promoted Brennan Armstrong when he was hurt, when he couldn't even play at Notre uh, against Notre Dame. So yeah. instead of waiting until the moment where he's not even playing on the national stage, um, start early. As soon as you see that Brennan Armstrong and the offense is clicking, start showing, start promoting your quarterback, and then hopefully the ACC will also promote. That's just my, that's just my two cents. You know how I am. I feel like. Oh yeah, I agree. I think I you agree. need to blow up social media as much as possible. Yes, definitely. It's a social age where everything is moved by social media right now. So yeah, especially use with that national to your guys. advantage. Yeah, especially use that nat to your advantage. national guys. I, I will be brutally honest. When I covered the Gators, I rarely watched UVA just because it wasn't like I would probably catch Miami games and Clemson games just because like those were games that I had access to. And because at the end of the day, those are probably teams that if Virginia, I mean, if Florida were go to a bowl, those probably were teams that they were going to face. Ironically, they face Virginia in the orange bowl. Um, but as, so as a national media person, you won't be going out of your way to watch UVA football, especially early on in the season. So that's why the promotions are so crucial. If you're going to be on those national lists. So that's my soapbox. That's my TED Talk, OG. <laughs> I agree.
So um, how about you share it to everyone how they can listen to the Hill podcast and um, when, you know, where they, can they find it? What, when do you release it? Uh, it comes out every Wednesday. We drop every Wednesday. If not on Wednesday, then I try to do it Thursday morning. It's really depending on if my kids going to let me get it done for real. You know, that's what it depends on. But I'm on all social media platforms, Spotify, iTunes, you know, uh, I forgot what the little Google one is, but you can find me on there too. Just look up the Hill podcast and we'll be right there. As always. And also you can follow him on Twitter at, at OG. Oh, yeah. So uh, he, he gives you your thoughts. He's not shamed. He's not ashamed. He has no shame. He will tell you exactly what he thinks um, on Twitter and also on the podcast. So OG, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I appreciate the opportunity. It was very, very fun, and I look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much for OG for joining us. It's always nice to get a different perspective from those in the media to kind of break down things. Um, I know you guys get sick of hearing my thoughts all the time, so it's nice to have a different perspective. And, of course, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And head over to Apple and Spotify and review and rate this podcast. It's a huge help and I would really appreciate it. And with that, we will be back here next Tuesday with more insight into Virginia sports. So for OG, I'm Jackie Franchuli and hope you have a great rest of your week.